Well, folks, it's a very, very eventful day in Pitt sports today. Pitt getting a key commitment on the basketball side from Blake Henson, the Iowa State wing transfer. We will talk about his impact and what he could bring to the lineup that Pitt did not have last year and how he fits in with the rest of the guys around him. We can also, though, talk a little bit about football. Jasir Whittington, a 2024 four-star, has signed on to come and be a Pitt Panther from the Philadelphia area. We will talk about the significance of that as well in this episode of Locked on Pitt. I'm Nick Farabaugh, your host, coming up right on Locked on Pitt. Our Locked on Pitt, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Pit Podcast, everybody. As always, thank you for making the Locked On Pit Podcast your first listen every day. And as usual, if you are listening to this, make sure to leave a review. If you are watching this, make sure to like, comment, subscribe, do all that great stuff down below. Turn on the notification bell. Now, folks, when we look at what Pitt did today in both the basketball and the football front, it felt like it was an endless storm of just being able to talk about Pitt all day one of the more eventful recruiting days we've had across pit sports here in a while and that obviously was kicked off by the big time commitment for jeff capel and pit men's basketball through the transfer portal in blake henson from ole miss six seven wing slash guard coming here played at iowa state and ole miss did not actually play i mean he was at iowa state for two years but never actually took a a, 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 he never actually played, if you will. Let's let's put it at that wording, since I'm tripping up on my words so much and elegantly today. But Blake Henson had a non-COVID illness, blood-related illness, wasn't truly disclosed of what it was in 2020 that caused him to miss that year. And then last year left the program due to the coach being fired and did not want to play there. Anyone was not happy with the role they were going to have for him. So he left the program and did not play last year. So last time he played was 2019-2020 when he was at Ole Miss. Averaged 10.1 points per game, 4.6 rebounds per game with the running Rebels there in his sophomore season. Now, Interestingly, because he sat out last year and also had that medical redshirt plus the COVID year, it's not completely sure if he has three or two years left of eligibility. Is last year going to count as a year of eligibility? Is it not? That's kind of the question with Blake Henson. So not really completely clear if it's going to count as a year of eligibility for him. Uh, so that is something to watch. If he has three years versus two years, uh, could be a big time difference, of course, but at least has two years of eligibility. So multiple years of eligibility for Blake Hinson. Now let's just put a little bit of a profile on Blake Hinson from his days at Ole Miss. A guy that started a lot of games in this area. And so started 27 games in 2019-20, started 31 games in his freshman season, so a big-time contributor for the running Rebels. But interestingly enough, as I talked about, that 10.1 points per game 
in his sophomore year, a leap from 8.3 in his freshman year. Over 70% free throw shooter both years. The big time almost plus two rebounds from his sophomore year to his freshman year. So he gained 4.6 from 2.9. Shot from 3 to 35%. In 2018-19, only 32 in 2019-2020, so he's a career 33% three-point shooter. Um, so literally, 30, you're going to get a perfect 3-3-3 on that three-point shooting line if you look at his career totals. So not a phenomenal three-point shooter, but he can shoot it. Um, he, he has that ability. He has that ability to get hot and make some really good uh, things happen from downtown. So certainly there is sauce to be at least – exhumed from there There, there's stuff to be looking for in that area for Blake Henson and so he can shoot that three he's going to give you a little bit of spacing as a catch and shoot three guy that's most of the time where you see him making those but he can run the floor too and the interesting thing is when you look at his mid-range game when you go from about when you go from about that elbow in uh, you look at him and he shoots that rock really well that's where he has a lot of efficiency. The dribble shots, off dribble, creating off the dribble, the back step. He has a nice spin move. He has a lot of different Euro step moves to get to the paint. A lot of different creative ways to create. And so this is interesting to me because Pitt needed a guy that could create off dribble. They didn't really have one last year. You know, it was really Ithia Horton. Nike Sabandi is the other one that can create off dribble. But now they have two guys. So Henson can create off dribble. I think he gives them a little bit more oomph that they were been looking for uh, in that department. They really need a shot creator that can create in that mid-range game. He will be able to create there. He will also be able to space the floor out a little bit. And so this is a guy that has proven scoring pedigree. And this is one thing that I look at. You need a guy that had proven scoring pedigree. He does. And not just at, say, a lower school like the MIAC or the, you know, something like that. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a guy that produced a double digit scoring output in the SEC. So that's a tough conference. And he looked better as a sophomore compared to what he was as a freshman. Now he hasn't played in two years. And yes, that is definitely a little concerning. And so you have to take that into account, but this is a guy that all things considered, there's a lot to like about what he brings to the table. Also, position flexibility he has a lot of good length and he's a guy that can be a bit disruptive on the perimeter and so he's a guy that coming into everything looks like the type of player that really could be disruptive as a defender on the outside and he could play the two through the small four so he's probably not going to be your power forward but if you need him to he can play that stretch small four and so this is a really interesting guy that can give you a lot of position flexibility and I think that's something that Pitt needs. Didn't have a lot of ability to interchange lineups. And we talked about this last year. The big thing Pitt never really had the liberties to do was switch up their lineup and give teams different looks. They really had two looks. They had a three-guard look, and then they had their traditional look with the starting five. And so they never really had the ability or the depth or flexibility at that to move guys into different roles, give them different looks, and kind of alter their game plan to a specific team. They really had one specific formula and that's all it was. So now you bring in Blake Henson who can play the two through the four. You already have guys that you feel can play different spots. Burton can play two or three or the one. You feel Nellie Cummings can play the one or the two. Sabandi can play a two or three. You couldn't play the four or the five. 
right? So you have some flexibility. You have Jeffers who can play the two through four. You have Santos who can play the two through four. And so you have guys now that can play different positions and you can mix and match. Now, obviously, the roster is just getting filled out. You still have six open scholarships to work with. But I think this is the immediate takeaways. You have that nice proven scoring pedigree. You have position flexibility. And you have a guy that can create his own shot off the dribble and make some really nice things happen. And that's the thing they haven't had. So now is Henson going to be the, you know, the solve all, but no, I think ideally this is me personally. I think ideally Henson is a type of guy you look at that maybe he's going to have to compete for that starting role. I don't think he's going to be given it. I think you're going to compete with Burton, Sabandi, whoever else they bring in at the four right now. He is your starting four. I don't expect him to be that starting four right away. I think he's a guy that can come in, compete for a starting role, either be the starter or be a really high-level minute guy, one of the first guys off the bench that's going to give you proven scoring pedigree. And if he's going better than someone else that's not playing well, he can be a starter for you. And so this is a guy that looks really, really solid. And so there's got to be some rust there, but he's a bigger piece to this puzzle than I like. And so I think that he's going to give Pitt some really nice things, and Pitt's going to be able to do a lot of what you look at. Maybe a little bit more 3 and D here, and this is what we've talked about. Maybe he could be that Oddies Tony-type player, not the great defensive ability. I don't think he's going to have the elite defensive capabilities. You know, more scoring, a little less uh, defense than Tony had, but 3 and D type of guy, and we've talked about this. This is one of the needs they had coming into the offseason. I think they have checked off one of those boxes at the very least, by getting a really versatile wing with scoring pedigree and high upside. So I think it's a really nice addition to getting Blake. Hinson, one of those guys you really wanted to close on. Now, here's the thing. Blake Henson comes. Anyone else coming with him? We've also seen Michi Johnson there today making his pit visit. What I'm hearing there, and if I think he could potentially come to pit. We'll also talk about Jasir Whittington. What about him committing to pit and what's important? about that but first thing let you guys know about bet online because betonline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports information find all the latest sports developments league reviews and news including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the major league baseball season but is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs esports and more head to the website today or your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action bet online where the game starts Back to the Locked On Pit Podcast as we're continuing to talk here a little bit about the commitment of Blake Hinson, but also Michi Johnson coming to visit Pitt today. Had the nice photos on his Instagram. Posted those on my Twitter if you want to see him head over there. Looking good in those threads. John Hughley was there. Jeff Capel was there. Everyone was there for Michi Johnson. Took an unofficial, I think we should say that, unofficial. He took that, and he's a guy that has this athleticism, that has that create shot ability, both in the mid-range and beyond the arc. And here's the thing. Not a guy that's going to be a knockdown three-pointer. He's not a sniper. And so I think that's something that when you look at it, they're going to back off a little bit in terms of, yeah, he's not going to be a guy that's going to shoot the three like crazy. And that's okay because, you know, you need another sharpshooter on this team, but it's not going to be him. But he's going to be a quality guy that you can add to the lineup. 
and I think needs to be a priority because of his athletic upside. And his connections, we talked about this yesterday, his connections to John Hughley, his connections to Chet Mason are going to be fruitful for these Panthers. They have a really good in in that Cleveland area. John Hughley, Chet Mason, Marlon Barnes already committed there. And so it is committed from Pitt, you know, to Pitt coming from that Cleveland area. So this is going to be something to look at. And I think Pitt's in a decent spot here. And I know that there are other visits scheduled for Michi Johnson, but I think that Pitt is really looking good here. And so I think look out for him to be one of those guys that could 100% be the type of guy that is that athletic point guard that can drive, penetrate, and create a lot of suction that can open up things for the corners for a guy like Kinson, for a guy like Burton, you know, those catch-and-shoot type of guys that you look at, not the big-time creators. That's the type of guy Michi Johnson could be, a creator, a facilitator, and a guy that creates different things. And so I look at him and I say, yes, could be a really fun type of player. And I, I think he's the type of guy you look for that Pitt could maybe get. The flashy stats aren't necessarily there yet. But he has so much upside, so much potential. I think there's a lot to look forward to in a Michi Johnson edition if it happens. And I think they're in a good spot to maybe make this thing happen. But I want to switch gears here over to the football side. Just see your Winnington. He commits to Pitt. And so this is especially fun because 2024, huh? Pitt already getting 2024 commits, it feels like. And that's crazy because I, I can't believe they're already getting 2024 commits because usually you don't see Pitt getting these early commits. You see other programs doing, but a lot of guys usually wait for the June before whatever. It usually doesn't come this early, but we've seen it in recent years where it does come this early. A guy like Nakai Johnson did it early. Zion Fowler did it early last year. Uh, so there's a lot of guys that do this thing early, and, and Johnson did it, I think, even later than Whittington did this. So this is really crazy, and, and it's not a Pittsburgh kid either, and I think that's what makes it a little bit more crazy is that Jasir Whittington calls it now. And so when you look at what he has on his plate, a guy that is smaller, he's listed at 6'2", might be a little smaller than that, to be honest. I mean, he is small. And here's the thing. He's small, quick, and explosive. And there is easily one dude, I think, if, if you talk to any Pitt fan right now, let's say six-foot, explosive, undersized. Well, the first guy you're going to say is Aaron Donald. I, I know that. And we are never going to compare some dude to Aaron Donald because I don't care who you are. If I say you're the next Aaron Donald, the weight of just expectations should absolutely fall right on you because that is almost insurmountable. We're talking about a guy that's going to be competing to be the greatest defensive player of all time and has a stake in that debate. So I do not need to be comparing anyone to Aaron Donald. But someone I think you can look at physically that Charlie Partridge has recruited and has done really good things at Pitt, Kalijah Cansey. Very, very similar type of player here that we are talking about in Cansey and then to Whittington. A smaller guy, 
but a guy that is yoked up, a guy that is still green, he's going to have to work through a lot of different areas, specifically his hand usage. He's going to have to get better with his hands, but his natural pad level is so good. And he has these natural explosiveness and this natural quickness that's so fun to look at. And so when you actually watch him, the guy is a ton of fun. Just such a just such a fun player to look at. And so that is exactly what is fun to me about watching him. He reminds you so much of that. He reminds you so much of a guy like Kalijah Kansi because of his quickness, his explosiveness off the line of scrimmage, his ability to create disruption through that natural pad level with that explosiveness and that speed to power he has is really deadly. So if you do a lot of – Pitt does a lot of slanting. There's a lot of stuff like stunts. This is going to be big time, right? This is going to be something where when you look at it, he's a fun player because of what he can do in terms of that explosiveness. In terms of the scheme, he's going to be able to create all those matchup problems in the interior. And that's where he's going to play, that interior D-line. And good linemen, I don't care what you say, good D-linemen, good interior rushers. Not to discredit edge rushers. Edge rushers are very important. But in football, it is harder to scheme against interior rushers. Good interior rushers are harder to scheme against than edge rushers. This is why you see Aaron Dolan almost have a consistent impact every single game. It doesn't matter what a team can do. They're just hard to scheme against. It's so hard to get those interior rushers do, you know, undone. When you look at an edge rusher, you can see guys like a Miles Garrett, a TJ Watt, uh, some guys like this, right? Then they have an off game here or there, and they're not always productive. And, yeah, the reason is because they can be triple teamed. You can give help to guys at left tackle. You can give more help to them. At right tackle, you can give more help to them. You can go chips. You can really throw in route combinations that throw them out. You can take them out of formations if it allows it. Like there's different ways to do it. It's just hard to do it on the interior because if they're slanting, you're almost done. They can slant away from your good players. They can, if you put that guard on an island and guards are on islands a lot, you gotta then shift your center at the center. You gotta, you know, shift right. You gotta slide left. You gotta do all this different types of protections that it creates so much. So even if Whittington turns out to be a guy like Cansey, for example, you get a player that is really hard to deal with because. If he's not eating, well, everyone else around him is going to be eating because of the attention you give him. That's the the overall impact of a great interior rusher. That's why getting a high pedigree one like Jasir Whittington is great. And there's no reason I should be doubting Charlie Partridge's ability to scout defensive line. And, and that is the most important thing here is that he has consistently been able to produce guys like this. And guys with physical traits like Whittington's just, just not come around a lot. So, yeah, I am looking forward to seeing what he can do under the tutelage of Charlie Partridge, and this is big. And that, more importantly, is big because I think that you look at Whittington with the high pedigree he has. He's a top 250 recruit on Rivals, a composite four-star recruit. And so, yeah, I would look at him as being really, really, really important and this is about as major as you can get in terms of defensive linemen for Pitt this early on. But there's also more to this. He re was recruited out of Philadelphia. I want to talk about that 
a little bit here. Go to a quick break. We'll be right back. We'll talk about the significance of the commitment here of Jasir Whittington. podcast we talk through this commitment of Jasir Whittington and you know the, I talked about the player himself and why I think this is fun I think it is very important for Pitt to get this commitment and I think that Pitt landing him as this early just as that D lineman is important enough but there's more to this and I want to say there's more to this because it's in an area where Pitt usually and I want to say usually because it we don't see this happen very often, where Pitt ends up getting quality talent out of the Philadelphia area. Just doesn't happen. It's very rare that we see Pitt go and get someone like Jasir Whittington from Philadelphia. Because that's such a nat- nationally recruited area. You know, you see guys from Philly going to Georgia. Like DeAndre Swift went there. Kyle Pitts went to Florida. I mean, there are guys out of that Philly area that go anywhere. SEC, Pac-12, they are wild card to go anywhere because so many national places have established pipelines there. Georgia, Alabama, Florida, USC, all these great programs. Notre Dame has come in there and has plucked guys out of there. The Big Ten, Ohio State. You still have, obviously, Penn State out there that recruits it very well. Rutgers has a game in there. And so between all these great players and great talents, but still all these great programs, you have guys that are just tough to get. It's just tough for Pitt to get them in there because there's so many good teams that come in there. And you have all the Blue Bloods trying to get in there. You have Michigan. I didn't even mention them. Texas, Oklahoma, I mean, Clemson, all these schools try to get in to the Philadelphia area. So Pitt has been trying to carve out, you know, a a significant area in kind of that overall area where, you know, they're not going for the the five stars. They're trying to go for like the next group, that three-star group. And that's what happened with Javon McIntyre. Also what happened with with Gavin Bartholomew. Uh, They got guys like that in that area. And so – it, it, you can look at it, and maybe it's the start of some type of Philadelphia to Pitt movement. And that was kind of the hope. Pitt has been trying to get into Philadelphia forever. And this is not just an Arduzzi thing. It has been back to Wanstat. And before that, they have been trying to get in this Philadelphia area. It has never come. A Pitt to Philadelphia connection in the football sense has never come to fruition. It's come to fruition on the basketball side. It's come to fruition on pretty much every other sports side. And heck, certainly among the student body, there are a ton of people from Philadelphia that go to Pitt. Just has never come on the football side. So this is huge. In Hope Tech Charter, now Pitt is going to have two guys from that school with Javon McIntyre. And now you have Jasir Whittington. This is really big because a four-star out of Philadelphia coming to Pitt, that doesn't happen. I cannot state to you how much this doesn't happen. Pitt doesn't get four stars from Philadelphia. They just don't. And I want to showcase you how rare this is. And I tweeted out this stat because I looked at the 247 composite 
in the overall all-time commits to the University of Pittsburgh since the recruiting rings have been around. When you look at it, Jasir Wellington is the first four-star from the Philadelphia County area. So that's Philadelphia itself to actually commit to the University of Pittsburgh. If you go to the eastern part of the state, there have been three others that have committed to Pitt, but the last four-star from the eastern part of PA was Pat Bostic. The other was Jeff Ota. So there just have not been a lot of guys from this area. Pitt hasn't recruited the eastern part of the state. I mean, when you look at where Pitt has actually recruited from in the state, in recent years, Pittsburgh. <laughs> I mean, that's it. The occasional guy from Erie. Maybe you have a guy from Central PA that you battle with with Penn State and, and some other schools that you end up getting. That's really just been Pittsburgh. It has. So Pitt has been really, in PA, the guys come from Pittsburgh. The guys come from local Pittsburgh schools. They don't come from elsewhere. And that's important to talk about here because Pitt has just broken through on a big-time level. And when we go to rivals, Jasir Whittington is ranked very highly. 202 in the nation. And so that is extremely high. Extremely high when you look at it. And so he is a guy that it has to be. It has to be exciting for Pitt to land someone. Sorry, on rivals, he's 146 on 247s, he's 202. So this is a natural consensus 250 guy on 247. He is a three-star, but a composite 247 four-star, which is Pitt as a legitimate four-star here. So not a consensus one just yet, but that could obviously change. But a guy that absolutely is big time. And so he is a guy from Philadelphia. They have plucked out of the sand, if you will. Teams that also offered him, Boston College, G-Tech, Ole Miss, Nebraska, Penn State, took two visits to Penn State. Two. That's something. So the Nittany Lions hosted him twice. They hosted him twice, both this spring, about a week ago, and then last year on the 18th for a game. He also visited Temple. He visited Rutgers, visited West Virginia, Virginia Tech, but Tennessee was also in this. There are so many schools here. And again, 2044, so not everyone's going to be in on him just yet. And this is going to be a guy Pitt's probably going to have to pluck on to, and they're going to have to hold on to. Four-star from Philadelphia. The Sharks are going to swim. If he really blows up like he could with his athletic traits, you might get some serious competition here coming in. A Florida, for example. Someone like that coming in, got up to hold on. And you're going to have to hold on and get some really intriguing programs. He keeps going as hard as he can. You know, Penn State's going to try and nip at the bud. It's not going to be easy to hold on to him. But this is just, it doesn't happen to Pitt. They don't get this type of traction in the Philadelphia area. So is this the start of a pipeline from Pitt to Philadelphia? Maybe. It'd be huge. Philadelphia's a great area to recruit in. And it's it's not a bad thing to establish more pipelines. They have a great one in Florida. They have a nice one in Georgia. Developing one in Texas. Developing one in Ohio. They obviously have the Pittsburgh one. They got some nice ones in New Jersey and New York. 
But Philadelphia, I mean, that's a big one to add to the notch on the belt. Would be huge for Pitt. Great work by Corey Sanders, who recruits that area. Great job by Charlie Partridge to reel him in as well. And so this is a huge commitment for Pitt, both in terms of the player and as well as the area, because this just does not happen for the Panthers very often. All right, folks, as always, thanks for listening to Locked on Pitt. We will talk tomorrow. Who knows about what? Just we'll roll with the punches if this thing if this thing keeps happening. But if nothing happens, we will talk about Pitt's offensive line a little bit and what could happen there and the switch-ups that could potentially happen even as all five return. We will talk about that tomorrow if everything permits, and that meaning breaking news. As always, folks, thanks for listening, and as always, hail to Pitt.